Hey, it's Andrew, and today on the show we have Alex Atkins, Head of Growth at CXL Institute. In this episode, we talked about the process Alex took to decide the key metrics to focus on during his early days at CXL, what motivated him to work on churn and retention over acquisition, and how they saw an increase in customer retention within three months of the team's new focus. We also discussed how the growth team at CXL is built, their efforts to put out the fire COVID-19 is causing their business, and how they managed to persuade 37% of their customers at risk not to churn. As usual, I'm excited to hear what you think of this episode, and if you have any feedback, I would love to hear from you. You can email me directly on andrew at churn.fm. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, and enjoy the episode. Today's episode is sponsored by Avrio, a collaborative insights platform built directly into your workflow. With a browser extension and web app, Avrio provides a new way to capture and share data analysis, user research, and learnings directly in context with your team. From data dashboards, Google Slides, and Slack threads, to inside of apps and team members' heads, Avrio captures all of your insights and creates a single source of truth. Visit avrio.com to learn how you can maximize your team's collective knowledge with Avrio. This is Churn.fm, the podcast for subscription economy pros. Each week, we hear how the world's fastest growing companies are tackling churn and using retention to fuel their growth. How do you build a habit-forming product? We crossed over that magic threshold to negative churn. You need to invest in customer success. It always comes down to, to retention and engagement. Completely bootstrap, profitable, and growing. Strategies, tactics, and ideas brought together to help your business thrive in the subscription economy. I'm your host, Andrew Michael, and here's today's episode. Hey, Alex, welcome to the show. Hey, man, glad to be here. It's good to have you. Uh, For the listeners, Alex is the head of growth at CXL Institute, and CXL provides marketing, training programs, and managed conversion, optimization, and experimentation services to help mid to large companies accelerate growth. Uh, prior to CXL, Alex was the senior marketing manager at Cloud Guru. And so, my first question for you, Alex, is as head of growth at CXL, what does your job entail? Yeah, sure. Uh, absolutely. So, you know, I joined the team um, not too long ago in November. Uh, initial focus when I, when, I, when I joined the team was to sort of establish more or less baselines of, of growth metrics. Um, so, I focus very much on both you know, net new acquisition. Um, as well as uh, retention. Um, so, you know, that really kind of boils down to developing, building out um, models around MRR, ARR, monthly annual churn, gross sales and, you know, net revenue, all that, all that fun stuff. Um, and so I really do focus on acquisition and ensuring that we uh, don't, lose, don't lose any business to keep this growth, uh, you know, keep this growth going. Interesting. So uh, you joined as well, like you say, not so long ago. And one of your focuses really now has been trying to get a baseline and understand the metrics for yourself. Like maybe you mm-hmm. want to talk to us a little bit deeper into that process. And I'm sure there must be others out there listening that are just starting uh, roles in growth at different companies. And uh, what did you sure. go about doing when you sort of look coming into and looking at these metrics? How did you decide what metrics were important to look at? And then how did you make sure everything was up and running so you could track and evaluate? Great question. Um, and, 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 you know, when I joined, I was tasked with with a pretty aggressive goal of increasing, uh, you know, annual sort of revenue um, by around 100 percent year over year. Uh, and, oh, wow. and 
you know, pretty, pretty aggressive. And yeah. since, well, what's, what's great is since 2016, uh, 6L has, has grown roughly by around 40% year over year. Uh, so this was a, a pretty big jump, but um, there was a lot of opportunity there. So, you know, when it came down to the metrics I was looking into and why I chose those, um, I can get, I can get a little, a uh, little more into that. So, um, what I found interesting when I joined, uh, was that, you know, we, we had this continued growth month over month, year over year. Um, but our, uh, monthly churn sort of was hanging around a 13 to 14% range, which was a little high for, 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 um, this e-learning space that we're in. Um, and since we have, you know, and have had traditionally an incredibly strong organic presence at CXL. Um, it, it accounts for the vast majority of our, net, our acquisition. Um, I wanted to spend some time diverse, diversifying those acquisition channels, but I also wanted to spend a lot of time cutting down the monthly churn uh, below that double-digit level. So really focusing on reducing that monthly churn um, and focusing on diversifying the acquisition channels. That's kind of where my head was at when I first joined uh, in November. So you know, there were several ways, I guess, to go about doing this. Um, one of the bigger levers that I was able to pull uh, within my first couple months of working at CXL um, was actually uh, removing monthly subscriptions um, and focusing on quarter, quarterly and annual subscriptions. So uh, just again, just quick recap, really wanted to make sure um, that we lowered that monthly churn um, month over month. And, and to me, something that aligned with our brand, um, which is really our mission is kind of like double down on you know, many degrees and making sure that we're providing content for folks that are really serious about uh, building skills and becoming the best at what they do, um, which takes time to do. Uh, it takes more than a month, I would argue, to do. Yeah, um, so, you know what I mean? So I felt like these many degrees that we're basically building out for folks um, in different uh, sort of verticals like, you know, conversion uh, rate optimization, uh, analytics, um, you know, digital psychology uh, and growth. Uh, they take about three months ish. Uh, we've seen in the data to complete. So I wanted to build out an option, a subscription model for folks for that 12 weeks um, so that we could really align with what our brand stands for. And at the same time, Reduce churn. So that was that was one of the first things we did when I when I when I joined, and um, and naturally it had a it had a very you know uh, significant impact, which was awesome. It worked out really well for us. Um, November into December and into January, and we started to see some really <laughs> excellent, I guess, excellent results from that. Um, you know, I think one of the the all time um, sort of uh, you know leading indicators that things were starting to go in the right direction is we began um, to see that that the, re the cohort retention was increasing, um, you know, month over month. So between, you know, the months of December and January, uh, we were at an MRR, the cohort retention of around 76%. Um, but in January, we saw that rise to 91.2%. Uh, and a lot of that, you know, is, is what we were working on and sort of the development of this new quarterly plan and sort of the, the rolling out of, uh, of that plan versus the monthly plan we had traditionally had. Um, and, you know, February, same thing. You know, February, we saw just around 89% um, of the cohort um, retention. Uh, so I started thinking, this is, this is we're, we're moving in the right direction. This is, this is going pretty well for us. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, net revenue was, was, was continuing to go up uh, through January and into February. And we're feeling pretty good about things. So, yeah, um, yeah first few months, we're, we're excellent. And then, of course, you know, mid to late February, early to mid-March, we started seeing, seeing some things happen, um, you know, that, uh, yeah, that pretty, pretty, pretty related. Yeah, everyone else saw too. Yeah, so. Yeah. 
uh, yeah, a great start to the uh, to the engagement, but you know, it kind of started to uh, we started running some tough times around March. Nice. And when you say like the the ninety percent mark, is that net tomorrow retention, like including things like expansion and contraction, or do you not that's really correct. have the product line for that? Because that's also like well, I was thinking, like, do you have the opportunity yeah. for expansion or contraction? No, it's 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 a great question. Um, so not that necessarily our product line, you know, lends its, itself well to that area. Uh, we were just yeah. specifically looking at MR, MRR cohort uh, churn. Um, so so relatively basic, um, I guess, view of it both from an MRR perspective as well as a subscription perspective too, um, as, as a total, as a percentage of the total, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I think because obviously like the net negative uh, net retention is like the, the goal of every startup and oh, yeah. the sweet spot. Uh, but I absolutely. think your business needs to be able to lend to it, like enable to sort of have that obvious expansion path for customers to grow in, uh, into mm-hmm. it as well. Yeah, um, we can get into that a little bit too. I, I, I definitely want to chat a little bit, a little bit about <laughs> that, uh, you know, looking forward. Cool. Uh, so the other thing as well that uh, interests me a little bit as well, uh, coming into growth, setting some pretty aggressive targets for you mm. yourself as like mm-hmm. head of growth, 100%. What was the motivation then to sort of focus on retention itself? I think uh, maybe just talk us through sure. the logic and the, the math behind it as well. Like what went through your mind when you're saying, okay, the opportunity really when we think about growth is uh, like focusing on retention? Because I think more often than not, like most people come into growth for the first time, they start looking at sort of like, how can we increase these conversions? And obviously come yeah. from CXL, like where can we yes. increase conversions yes. of revenue? And uh, I think we often overlook the compounding and exponential impact that retention can have. So maybe just talk us through a little bit about the thought process there. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and 100% most folks do uh, do think of growth. They think of that acquisition. Um, they think of uh, really focusing on uh, top of the funnel uh, conversion um, and, uh, you know, gross sales. Um and, you know, totally a focus of ours too. But, uh, you know, as I was mentioning earlier, uh, we have traditionally had a, a really great, um, uh, I guess, acquisition engine in the sense that we've been built on this long, um, long road, long-term growth of focusing on organic and really having a really great presence in organic and allowing that fantastic thought leadership um, and authority uh, help us in, in you know, in generating more conversions. Yeah, um, I definitely what, agree what, with that. Like, you know? I work, I mean, I work at Hotjar as well. And uh, when we interview customers time and time again, we ask them what content are you consuming? It always comes down to two companies, I think. And it's CXL oh, really? and conversion rate experts. I think like those sure. things are always coming up when it comes to sort of uh, industry related content. So definitely. Sure, man. Yeah, no, it, it's working. true. It's true. And it was where it was, it was, that was the same thing with me. You know, I first started reading CXL quite a while, uh, quite a while ago. Uh, and uh, the, the content has resonated. It's, it's really high authoritative uh, and uh, really, you know, research-based um, uh, fantastic content. And, you know, it's funny is it, it is a lot of it focused on conversion rate optimization, which again is more on the acquisition side. It doesn't really have to do much with the retention piece. I mean, that's not totally true, uh, but it is heavily focused on acquisition. So when it came down to it, boiled down to it, um, it was it was important to continue building and doubling down on that acquisition and the channels that were performing. But at, at the same time, uh, there was some, you know, I hate to use this term, really low-hanging fruit when it came to how we could sort of tighten up uh, retention and uh, lessen the churn that we were seeing. Um, and so, you know, there was several ways, several ways of doing that. You know, there was sort of leaning indicators. Um, in reducing the churn, and there were, you know, some lagging indicators as well. Uh, we chose to sort of tackle the lagging, lagging indicators first. Um, they were a little bit more quantifiable, a little bit more, you know, low hanging uh, again for us. Um, 
So, so things again, and this is all within three months, things are going very well. Uh, and then, you know, naturally we continued to focus on this, but we started to see some things change and it became very interesting to watch this happen in real time. Um, you know, cause as March came around, you know, this past month, uh, a lot has happened. Um, you know, not only in March, do we start to see gross sales drop slightly? Um, but we started to see churn really kind of take off, which was scary <laughs> to say the least. Um, you know, interestingly enough, I, you know, I keep a very close pulse on, on churn. Um, you know, as I was mentioning be between the first two weeks of March, for instance, uh, churn was actually dropping slightly. Um, but between the second and third week of March, uh, you know, we started to see churn and we started to see refunds, uh, taking off. I'm, I'm looking at the data now. It went up by 95% between weeks two and three in March, um, which was terrifying to see in real time. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> within a couple hours though, uh, the team, we, we huddled up and started working on several campaigns, um, and figuring out ways to put out that fire, you know, so, um, several things that we began to do. Again, a lot of these were uh, lagging indicators, but uh, what we started began to do was build out a uh, revamp, I guess you could say, our, our pause subscription um, uh, campaign, um, you know, offering, you know, updated flow and copy for that, uh, you know, including sort of building out more friction around the cancellation process, right? Um, we started offering some pricing reduction for folks that were clearly in impacted by the crisis. Um, what else did we do? The last, you know, one thing we also did, um, which was a little bit counterintuitive from a retention perspective, um, was we began uh, launching our monthly reminder emails um, and pushing those out, uh, creating some transparency around the auto renewals. Um, and you know, we figured this would increase cancellations potentially at a time where we really couldn't allow for cancellations to increase, uh, refunds yeah. to increase. Um, but at the same time, you know, one learning Pep has passed down to us uh, is that brand matters more now than ever, especially during this time, right? Yeah. Um, and he actually forwarded us this tweet from Rand Fishkin, who's, you know, you know, Rand Fishkin, yep. traditionally sort of the, uh, the Wizard of Moz, but he also Moz, just founded yeah. this, yeah, just found this new company called SparkToro, which is really cool. It's, uh, I guess, I would describe it kind of as a market research, you know, audience intelligence tool and company. Um, so I've been, I've been playing around with it recently over the last couple of weeks. Um, but he wrote something along the lines of, and I'm totally going to butcher this, but like something along the lines of like, they send out a 48 hour, uh, reoccurring, uh, email, um, regarding, you know, the bill from SparkToro to clients yeah. telling them, you know, this is going to be kicking in 48 hours. Um, and, and what he said was interesting. He says, you know, basically they're not VC backed and he doesn't have to worry about artificially high retention rates. Um, you know, what he cares about is brand being customer centric. So being truthful, being honest. And well, I want to get into that a little bit later on how that actually in the long term pays off even though it seems in the short term that you're opening up the doors to potential higher churn and more cancellations. Um, so it's, so it's been, it's been interesting. It has been, it has been really interesting seeing as, as March has sort of progressed into April, how things have, have changed. Um, you know, yeah. you know, I, I think, think like for, yeah. on this point as well, I think from the brand perspective, it makes so much sense as well. And I think like often, uh, you mentioned like you see the numbers and dropping 95% and 
like mm. uh, it scares you but as well like we or sometimes as well like we detach ourselves from the human side of it and i think sure, thinking sure. That, it, that behind those numbers is actually companies and people and they're struggling and they need to sort of think so any way you can really make sure that you're thinking about them and you're putting them first and obviously like this is an example because we had similar conversations at hotjar around uh, looking at sort of potential dormant customers and how can we try and reactivate sure. them and and sure. then there's obviously the sort of questions well, if we try to reactivate them, there's a cancellation component to it as well. And uh, yeah, yeah, right. It's risky, right. but then at the same time, like you say, like that brand uh, equity that you build from being mm. really transparent and upfront. And if it's part of your culture and DNA, it's what your customers expect. You don't want to change the behavior now because you're absolutely, uh, absolutely couldn't agree more with that. Um, yeah, and it kind of it keeps coming back to that for us. Um, and Pep keeps keeps you know knocking at it like you know, like, Hey, remember, this is what it's all about. This is what we're all about. Um, and he's, he's very, you know, um, he, he, he leads the team, you know, he, he makes sure that we remain agile and we move quick. Um, which is awesome. You know, having him sort of at the helm to help us sort of through these tough times. Um, you know, and I, I'll be, we're, we're reacting a bit reactively here to what's going on with this crisis. Um, but it's, it's happening for, for, you know, almost everyone. Um, so, you know, it is about saving folks from churning, but it's again, remaining true to the brand. Um, and you know, it's, it's interesting in the last week of March, um, you know, cause we saw this re- ridiculous churn takeoff in March, about mid-March. And so immediately we started working to combat that um, the right way, I, I believe. And so following the deployment of these campaigns, actually, it was pretty interesting. We saw 37% of those folks who would initially took action to cancel, they were persuaded to either pause or receive a pricing reduction. So that is, in my opinion, massive. 37%, right, massive, right? And not to say that this still wasn't, um, that's a huge win. But still, considering this was, you know, a, considering everything that's going on, it's you know, we still got hit really hard in March. I'm pretty sure I was just right before we hopped on this call checking the numbers one more time. Um, we saw refunds, you know, jump 130 percent month over month between February and March. So not a surprise at all. Um, yeah. And again, one of, one of those scary numbers for sure. Um, and you know, now in April, you know, I keep a very close eye on this. We're, we're currently pacing towards a 19 percent drop from that uh, month of March. But it's still, it's still not great. You know, we're still in a, in a position where, um, you know, we're seeing relatively high churn, uh, relatively high refunds. Um, it's an interesting thing to see here in the e-learning landscape um, because, you know, uh, traditionally, you know, uh, folks, they, when they're not impacted by a pandemic like this, um, there are so many things that you can do to keep, kind of keep them on the hook, keep them learning. Um, you know, obviously within digital marketing and within CRO, things are changing all the time. So what you've learned, you know, a couple of months ago, um, you know, might not be relevant today. So it's, it, it is inherently a great way to keep folks, the, the subject matter itself, keep folks uh, coming back and, um, you know, retaining them as customers. But seeing as this was all happening, we were losing tons of folks that were really truly genuine genuinely impacted so there was nothing we could do beyond what we did while remaining true to the brand uh and i still think it, it, it paid off for us it really worked out for us as best as best i think it could um but you know we're still working our still working our tails off over here to you know in, in, to continue to increase acquisition while reducing that churn because you know we did also see you know acquisition drop slightly um from from you know January to February, and then certainly saw a drop from February to March. Um, but this is all starting to pay off, you know. Um, it, it really is. Over the last month, we've seen 
actually some some pretty interesting stuff happened. You know, I've been personally consuming a ton of content, uh, churn related content, you know, cause there's, there's so much reading out there and, you know, webinars to watch and, uh, articles and, uh, videos. And, you know, I've been tuning into what Patrick Campbell's been doing at profit well and what Ed Fry's been doing at paddle and the content that they've been putting out. I've been watching a lot of our CXL live panels recently, which, you know, focus on what the experts in various industries are doing right now to, you know, navigate these, these uncertain times. Um, without that content, I would be, we would be kind of flying blind in a lot of ways. So it is it is incredibly important to kind of tune into what other folks are doing in similar industries, or maybe not even in similar industries, whether it's, you know, SaaS or e-commerce. Um, you know, it might not be directly aligned with, with e-learning, um, but, you know, a lot of the ways that these companies um, are set up are similar. So, yeah. um, it you know, it, 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 got to read, got to look into what other folks are doing. Uh, that is, that is the biggest, the biggest thing that's been helpful for me over the last month, uh, you know, as it you know, pertains to churn. Sure. I mean, obviously a lot of similarities like in the things you've said now as well, and we are a SaaS business at uh, Hotjar and uh, we've definitely been mm-hmm. like, for example, we did the same thing in terms of helping customers pause at the exit survey. Um, yep. And yep. Enough, yep. so we saw like a 60% reduction in churn after introducing that pause. Uh, no for doubt. our customers to be able to deflect it, which was uh, really, really good because it went it's from, amazing. Uh, from one month to the next, like 45% of churn was coming from COVID-19. We actually had it as a yeah. response for people that could fill in now. <laughs> same and here. We, we yeah, same to 18% here. now. So it's like... Yeah. yeah. Wow, man. No, it's it's um, it's really actually quite quite impactful when you start putting these campaigns in, you start, uh, you pull the trigger on them and actually see how much they can help it it does sort of alleviate some of those fears and some of that stress. I mean, obviously we're still, you know, we're in tough times, potentially, you know, about to move into some tougher times, but, you know, being proactive about what you're, what you're saying right now, being proactive to combat that churn, whether, you know, it be sort of identifying these lagging indicators or these, you know, uh, leading uh, indicators, whatever it might be, there's so many different things we can focus on. Right. And so like you were just mentioning, the, you know, the survey and the pause, you know, uh, functionality, which we also kind of um, included within our, um, uh, our flow. Um, and we, we both, you know, Hotjar and, and CXL both seen um, great things come out of that. You know, we also opened up, um, you know, communication around reoccurring payments to combat, you know, you know involuntary churn too, right? Yeah. Um, you know, on the leading indicator front, this was interesting. And this is something that's a little bit less in my wheelhouse. Um, you know, our CS team has done an extraordinary job improving the onboarding experience, um, keeping folks happy. Um, you know, Pep had us all read uh, Never Lose a Customer Again uh, by uh, Joey Coleman, I think, um, which is an excellent book. And our CS team basically just started immediately applying those learnings. Um, that's helped out uh, incredibly on the leading, leading indicator front. And while I've been working on the lagging indicators and trying to ensure that we're, you know, uh, doing what we can um, on the growth side. Um, but yeah, so, you know, at this point, there's a couple things we're looking to start, you know, trying to do. Um, again, without the help of all this other content out there, I wouldn't even really know where to start. But, you know, we're really kind of working back after after putting out some of these more immediate fires um, towards, you know, more leading indicator things like campaigns around, you know, getting folks to upgrade to an annual, annual, um, subscription versus the quarterly subscription. And, um, you know, as you know, annual contracts, you know, inherently have reduced churn. So, um, 
we're, t we're we we jumped on those lagging indicators. We jumped on the stuff that was post and really tried to put out the fire. And now we're trying to get back to a okay. How do we set ourselves up from start to finish to really address churn yep. and uh, ensure that we're pro pro proactively tackling these things when you know at the beginning we were kind of reactive. For sure. And I think like obviously the reactive nature is just due to the current circumstances really unprecedented as well. And uh, I think like typically the, this reactive approach and like focusing on things like resurrection are typically very, not very successful because you come mm -hmm. into an audience at a time when they've already made a decision and actively mm -hmm. trying to cancel your product. It's very hard to win them back over again. Uh, yeah. But I think yeah. definitely like everybody's going through the same boat. Uh, everybody's experiencing the pain. Uh, so sure. it's not it's not like something that they've experienced a bad thing with your product and now they've decided they need <laughs> to cancel or whatever. Sure. So spending the time to do those things now is effective. But then, like you say, like really focusing on those inputs that are affecting the final output and yep. looking at things like onboarding and what you can be yep. doing to focus is definitely where the energy needs to be spent uh, when it comes to churn and retention. Absolutely. No, that's absolutely right. Um, so the, the team at uh, CXL now, like how big is it when, when you talk about the growth uh, team, sure. like what is the makeup? Uh, who's on your team? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And so we're a relatively lean team. Um, you know, we have, I'd say just under 10 folks that uh, work within the growth uh, landscape. And uh, the, you know, that's, that's basically focused in, anywhere in between analysts to um, copywriters to uh Front end, back end, dev, uh, which resources internally allow us to move at you know in a completely uh, very quickly um, and and remain agile, which is excellent. Uh, we have a content lead, um, and uh, I'm just trying to think if I'm leaving anybody out. We have we have a videographer as well that's dedicated to the marketing department too. As you know, we we have a ton of video content that comes out for learning for the product, but also it allows us to translate a lot of that into marketing content as well. Um, so the team again is, is relatively small, um, but that does allow us to be quick. It does allow us to make, uh, to pivot yeah. and change direction and move incredibly fast on, you know, specific campaigns and, you know, uh, full honesty, Pep, you know, you know, is, is this, this great personality. He's, he's huge in the space. Um, but you know, he works really hard. He expects us to work really hard too. So, um, it's a fun, fast paced, uh, environment to be in. And I'm really excited at the idea that the team is built, um, lean and mean, and we're able to tackle these issues as quickly as we are. Um, cause I've worked within larger teams, larger growth teams. Um, and while there, you know, usually are more resources and there's an ability to build out larger campaigns, um, because they're typically really large sort of cross, -fun cross functional teams, our smaller team has been able to, I believe, absolutely crush it at this, you know, crucial time, especially over the last month. Yeah, for sure. Like I think speed and the ability to iterate really fast is critical when it comes to this sort of experimentation. Definitely said like as a company gets larger, that experimentation becomes a little bit more difficult when you really want to do mm. like cross-functional uh, changes yep. as well, I think. Yeah, yeah, it just moves a little slower. And while, you know, while it might be, you know, we have this 80-20 mentality, like we we love getting stuff pushed live, you know, at the 80-20 kind of like, it's good, it's not great because perfection kind of kills. Um, and while the larger organizations might be able to, you know, get that, you know, perfect 100% campaign up pushed live, we move much faster than a larger a larger marketing group for sure, um, mm -hmm. and I, I I love that. I think it's really really cool to work with this team. They're incredibly hard workers. They are incredibly talented at what they do. Um, so 
it just makes me excited uh, that I know that I am working with the best of the best and they're, they're able to, uh, to kill it when we need to. Right. So it's, 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 it, it, it's been scary. I've said this multiple times over this chat. It's been scary, but it's also been weirdly um, exhilarating. Um, it's been weirdly, uh, you know, uh, we've had, we've had some scary times, but it's also been pretty exciting yeah. at times I mean, too. I can imagine. I mean, I was off for four months on paternity leave. So Hotjar is a really amazing paternity uh, program. And maternity, no doubt. But, uh, I was off for four months and returning back to work three weeks ago, like everybody's first reaction was, wow, like this is like some scary times coming back. And I said, like, yeah, wow, no, scary, but it's also definitely the most interesting time to come back. Uh, for sure. Like this has never happened, uh, at least in like, if we think about SaaS as an industry, like we've never probably yep. experienced something like this. Uh, just due to the idea of like SaaS being so early in its, its stage and then like what's happening mm-hmm. now in the market. So, Sure, like, sure. Uncharted territory. Exactly. For yeah, sure. like, yeah, yeah, man. Even yeah. in SaaS, we're in the uncharted territory to some degree, but now this is definitely it. And trying mm-hmm. to figure out and navigate our way through this, I think, is really an exciting challenge. And uh, yes, it's scary because uh, a lot of things are going on around us, but mm-hmm. uh, it also, I think there's opportunities hidden as well that uh, if we focus and work hard enough, like we're going to be able to find. So. Yeah. And, and you know what, one, one last thing I wanted to, I wanted to note, and, and, you know, I'm a huge fan of Hotjar. We at CXL and something else that lends, lends uh, well to having a small sort of agile team um, are all about testing. Right. And so, you know, whether it's Hotjar or um, Optimize or whatever kind of tests we're running, I feel like that's been hugely helpful for us to test quickly, uh, effectively, and then implement. Um, and obviously that's sort of inherent to any growth, you know, a successful growth team. Um, along with sort of the idea of having a growth team of T-shaped marketers that, you know, have a really good knowledge, solid knowledge of a lot and really good sort of expertise within certain disciplines of digital marketing. Um, it, it, this is something I haven't really touched on yet in this conversation, um, but, but, but that has been so crucial for us in allowing us to better understand what initiatives have, have allowed us to sort of reduce churn, right, um, especially recently. Yeah, absolutely. To be able to iterate really fast is important. Yeah, yeah. The the one question I ask everyone on the show, and you've given half the answer, I guess, and it's a little bit late maybe for this, but I ask everyone, so I want to ask you as well, is uh, let's imagine a hypothetical scenario now, and for you this is sure. probably quite real, that you've joined a new company, um, and you arrive and churn and retention is not great, and mm-hmm. you've been tasked with trying to turn things around. Sure. Uh, I'm just laughing because, like, you've basically given me half of your answer. But uh, <laughs> sure. what would be the things you would really want to focus on in the first two to three months, like the first 90 days to try and prove and show some results for the company? So, uh, right. moving aside, like taking plans from monthly to quarterly and yearly, what would be next uh, on your list? Sure. Um, yeah, it's a great question. So, f- for me, it's really when it comes to churn specifically, um, it's really identifying those leading and lagging indicators. Um, it's really understanding what you can pull the lever on now, what what you can quantify and pull the lever on now to ensure that you're putting you know practices into place that are going to allow you either you know pre or post um, you know basically keep folks from churning. I think there's such a human element to it as well. Um, so for me, obviously, it comes it boils down to the numbers, getting some really uh, quantifiable sort of facts here that I can use um, as baseline to understand where we are and where we need to go. Setting up some some aggressive goals has usually been sort of um, my go-to for, for both myself and my team. Um, so, you know, set up that baseline understanding of where we stand now with churn. 
uh, figure out where we want to be, what's doable, what's aggressive, but not impossible, uh, so we can push ourselves, um, to then uh, address that, those lagging indicators first. Most likely, those are the ones that are the, uh, the low-hanging fruit that I've mentioned previously. Um, and they're usually more quantifiable. You can usually uh, just, just knock those out in, in campaigns. You know, 24-hour campaign, you can set up and just uh, set live. Um, and then, you know, once you've sort of, I guess, put out the fires, um, you know, on the lagging side, it's about going back and really seeing the whole experience, you know, holistically, really understanding from start to finish, what is it like to be a customer at CXL or at this company, you know, this hypothetical company? How can we ensure from start from day one to the last day um, that we are providing anything and everything that's necessary for this individual to, to continue seeing value in this product or service? That is ultimately the way to keep folks around, to keep people from churning. If you're providing value consistently and you're staying true to that brand, you will keep customers. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If you they have a problem and you're solving it and uh, they're getting the value out of the service, like there's no reason to quit, I think. That's um, true. I, I want to just touch a little bit more on, on this topic of leading versus lagging indicators. I don't think it's something we've ever really gone into in much detail. Like we always take mm -hmm. it as well for granted when we have conversations uh, that uh, everybody gets it. But I think like when we think about sort of the leading versus lagging indicators and input and output metrics, like, Churn itself, when we say it's an output metric, the reason like it's an output and it's a lagging is because when somebody decides to churn, like that is instant, but the decision to churn happened maybe a month ago or two months ago, or it's been slowly leading up to the point where they've decided, okay, now I need to go and cancel my account. It's not something sure. uh, that's an input that's immediate and we can understand uh, and sure. as well. So, um, when you when you're talking about sort of the inputs now and uh, these uh, leading indicators, uh, thinking mm -hmm. with that in mind, like the inputs and the leading indicators ultimately are what's trying to let you understand uh, when it comes around to churning. Like, what can you be pushing more of? So you mentioned like onboarding. Mm -hmm. How can we make mm -hmm. sure that we onboard customers better so they get to the point mm -hmm. where they get to value? So they never get to the point where they are one a part of that output metric in churn itself because we've realized and you've engineered backwards. So when you went right. through this process at CXL now, how, obviously, like I think you mentioned, uh, was going to understand what are the main fires and why are the reasons mm -hmm. for people churning. But then mm -hmm. looking on the inverse, like what were you, you trying to figure out uh, when it came to those inputs that were really driving retention? How did you- That were working. Right, right. Oh, it's it's, so, it's a, such a good question. It is it is interesting too, because a lot of time you come in with these, you know, these- uh, this focus that there are these things wrong that you need to fix. Um, it, it's so true. And, and oftentimes there are so many things that are going right that you need to double down on, honestly, and, you know, pour some gasoline on because they are the things that are uh, truly uh, not only generating uh, net new revenue, but, uh, you know, in, in basically retaining customers as well. Um, so for me, um, I, you know, also first day signed up an account, and started working myself through the flow and through the experience and sort of uh, understanding the onboarding, understanding, you know, first courses, understanding how, you know, certain paths or many degrees were set up and how they operated, how they worked, um, how the product itself worked. Um, and so it is, it is so important to see what works, what kept me there, what kept me interested and what kind of information, um, was I learning uh, that was that was sort of unique and something I couldn't find anywhere else? I think the number one thing for me that is actually very very true about CXL is that it 
is the only skill building platform that uses the world's top 1% uh, of practitioners, right? As the instructors, right? So instead of, you know, your traditional university, um, you don't go to class and see someone who probably has done very well in life as a practitioner is now a teacher. You are seeing folks that are currently doing this stuff right now teaching you how they do it and how they successfully do it. Um, so the content, the content is what I believe truly gets people, you know, to, to join and then to stick around. Yeah. It's the nature of the, uh, the nature of the content and the nature of the space. You know, as I was mentioning earlier, it is moving so rapidly. It is moving so quickly that, you know, I've been digital marketing for quite a while. A ton of the stuff I've learned even a year ago isn't relevant anymore. Right. Six months ago, maybe even four months ago. So the idea that you need to kind of stick around because this content is regularly updated. It is updated by the best people currently practicing. Um, that to me was was what kept me around as a user. And what I I believe and we've done some surveys, we've done some user uh, testing, what keeps users around as well. Right. That that is the big that is the big piece, right? So um, knowing that, um, how do we double down on pushing that content out? How do we create more of that fantastic content? How do we allow folks to digest that content in a more easy fashion? How do we start building off more offline programs so that we can have folks while they're you know going to work or while they're you know um, on a plane? You know, how do we allow them to digest that content outside of the standard you know um, you know being online? and doing it there. So it's, it's really about, okay, we've identified what that is. We've identified why it's amazing. Now we just need to figure out how we can get it to folks in other places uh, at, at different times than we, we've traditionally been able to. Very cool. Yeah, absolutely. I think to your point as well, like the, the playbooks are really being written on the field at this point in time when it comes to digital marketing and SaaS and everything's moving so fast that uh, sitting and listening to teachers, maybe at a, a fancy university who are teaching you things that are definitely going to be outdated. Um, yeah, and yeah. Like the value is, I think, uh, definitely agree. It would be in that sort of having that top one percent, really keeping a pulse on and learning from people that are actually in the in the trenches with you as well. Exactly, cool. consistently updated. Yeah, it is pretty cool, man. And you know, it's kind of interesting too because this is my history, right? I I, I was a marketer and uh, went through the university uh, as as a marketer and you know, masters as a marketer. And there yeah. are so many things that I I learned then, fantastic, you know, learnings. But a lot of them just aren't applicable anymore. And so, like you know, to be in this space now is it's quite interesting, not only from the perspective of being you know the the head of growth, but also continuously learning. Because that is the one thing I think all of our practitioners would say, always be learning, continuously be learning. Because if you are not, it won't be long until you are no longer, you know, speaking, speaking the right language. Absolutely. I mean, here, I actually, I'm, I'm based out in Cyprus and been invited by the university a couple of times to come share on mm -hmm. different topics. And mm -hmm. going into the class, normally sit in before the, the class before and listen in. And it's just it like boggles my mind as well. I feel like really disappointed leaving those classes because it's like mm -hmm. we're teaching today. Like this is something <laughs> that happened two, three years ago. Like we really need to sure. pulse on it. Sure. Stop wasting people's time like in university classrooms. When it comes no to doubt. Like um, but the, no doubt. going back as also, well, I think it's like really interesting. You, you really figured out, okay, the reason people are sticking around, the reason why users are retaining is because it's this amazing content. And then mm -hmm. you started touching on some of the input metrics and some of the leading indicators that can really help you drive uh, and reduce the output metric and th that lagging metric mm -hmm. return. Uh, sure, sure. Which was like doubling down on the number of pieces potentially that people are viewing or how much time they've yep. been exposed to this content. Um, yep. And 
yep. really like that's then being like I'm guessing and assuming is like part of the focus of your onboarding now is like how do we drive these specific uh, leading indicating exactly uh, numbers up yeah exactly right yep that is that is absolutely correct and you know we we preach test and learn and um, that's something we do from a from not just from the marketing side but also from the product side uh, and from the customer success side it is consistently happening internally at CXL so so we know we, we know what what pulse pulses we're getting from you know our our internal community also as well as perspective you know purchasers um, and we try to action on that as quickly as possible because again being able to provide that fantastic content, you know, in, in a very easy, easily, you know, easy way to digest, I guess, um, and set folks up for success. And then once they've earned a specific certificate or they've completed a specific exam, really being able to let them know how big of an accomplishment this is and allow yeah. them to apply that learning really quickly to whatever job they're doing, right? And then they start to see, okay, so the learning isn't just about the learning. The learning is about now I know how to do this and I can apply this and now I'm indispensable. Now That's I'm creating idea. projects and programs and campaigns that are absolutely killing it because of this content that I've been, you know, uh, you're reading up on and watching. For sure. And I, you touched on it as well. Like if people are getting value, ultimately they're not going to churn. And I think the closer you can get to be able to measuring that value, ultimately the mm -hmm. better. And I think like a really good, uh, interview we had was with GoDaddy, um, sure. where we chatted to them about sort of the metrics that they were looking at when it came to retention. And ultimately they figured out as well, like for their website builder that they had, initially they were looking at sort of uh, the months retained and uh, trying to find this metric that they were saying, okay, like, yes, they created a site and they've got traffic. That's good. But ultimately they realized, okay, that's the reason why people create these sites is to get business or to if they're a mm -hmm. restaurant, it's to get bookings. If it's an e-commerce mm -hmm. store, it's to drive sales. And they were in the fortunate position where they could actually measure the direct value that they're providing their customers through the sure. But Sure, absolutely. The, the closer you can get to being able to record and track and measure the actual value that your product delivers your end user, and then being able to double down on how you deliver it, I think is definitely like it's, it's the key. It's the only way really to absolutely. ensure retention. Absolutely. Yeah, completely agree with that. Uh, Cool. Well, Alex, it's, I see we're running up on time. It's been awesome chatting to you today. Uh, before we drop off, though, like, is there any last final thoughts you'd like to share with the audience anyway to keep up with the work that you're doing? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for me, and I, I will come back to this time and time again, um, you are not alone in the situation. Well, at least, you know, talking about current landscape, you are not alone. There are so many other folks out there that are experiencing the same thing, regardless of what industry you're in, regardless if you're e-com, if you're SaaS, if you're e-learning, if you work at an agency, it doesn't matter. There are so many other folks going through similar situations that are working together to determine the, the next and best sort of way forward. Um, and so every day I'm digesting new content, you know, whether uh, it's a podcast, whether it's a video, whether I'm, you know, reading uh, content on CXL's blog uh, or articles elsewhere. Um, there is so much fantastic information out there that you can use and apply to your business. Um, and because, like I've said a million times over already uh, in this chat, things are changing so rapidly. It is so important to stay proactive, figure out what's working for other folks, apply it, test aggressively, and basically rinse and repeat. So that that's what I would say. Very cool. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure having and chatting with you. And I wish you now best of luck going through these turbulent times. And hope you to as well. You as well, soon. my friend. Appreciate it, man. We'll talk soon. Cheers. 
And that's a wrap for the show today with me, Andrew Michael. I really hope you enjoyed it and you're able to pull out something valuable for your business. To keep up to date with Churn.fm and be notified about new episodes, blog posts, and more, subscribe to our mailing list by visiting churn.fm. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you have any feedback, good or bad, I would love to hear from you. And you can provide your blunt, direct feedback by sending it to andrew at churn.fm. Lastly, but most importantly, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it and leave a review as it really helps get the word out and grow the community. Thanks again for listening. See you again next week.